Hello, dear listener. This is Tanner here with Tanner Talks About Stuff That Happened. A reminder that these episodes about Ukraine and Russia are not scripted. They are reporting as quickly as events happen, as often as I can get them. Sometimes I will misspeak. Sometimes I will say things that are untrue, simply because the information that I have at the time is all that I'm being given. In the future, we may look back at things I say here and we'll realize, oh, he was totally wrong about that. But remember, I am doing this because I want people to be as updated as I am, because I'm trying to stay as updated as possible about the events that are happening and trying to report them as unbiased as I possibly can. So with that being said, please give me grace if I misspeak, and please remember that I'm trying to do my absolute best. Without further ado, enjoy this one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. This is Tanner on the podcast. Tanner talks about stuff that happened. Um, We are in we are now officially a week into the invasion of Russia into the sovereign state of the Ukraine. And things are not going particularly well for Russia, so they have resorted to much more extreme and destructive and barbaric ways of trying to get their way in this situation. And Ukraine is responding. So, like I said, these episodes are not scripted. I am delivering the news as quickly as I can get it. I I did promise that I was going to do updates every day. I did take yesterday off. I was out with some friends. I had some homework to do. I was up late. It was it just didn't work out yesterday. But today, I'm going to be catching up on what I didn't talk about yesterday. So, the latest statistics uh, out of Ukraine. Uh, these, are, this, these are some interesting st- statistics because this is the first we've heard of polling from the Ukrainian people on how they're feeling about the situation in Ukraine. And... These, the Ukrainians were polled on if they believe they will, they will successfully fight off the Russians, if they, if they support the actions of the Ukrainian armed forces, and if they support, support Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. Uh, these polling numbers are staggering, and it says that 88% of Ukrainians believe that Ukraine will, be, will successfully fight off Russia. That's a high statistic. That is a, that's a high number of people who believe that Ukraine will fight off the superior Russian forces. And as we've seen in the last week, I I bet that number would be a lot lower maybe two weeks ago. I know a lot of people worldwide did not believe that the Ukraine would be able to fight the Russians as viciously and vigorously as they have so far. And uh, I bet ratings from today, if you took them worldwide, would be a lot higher than they would have been two weeks ago also. The Ukrainians have shown a surprising amount of resistance to the Russian aggression. A The next part of the poll was if the Ukrainians support the actions of the armed forces, and it turns out 98% of Ukrainians support the actions of the armed forces, and 93% support President Vladimir Zelensky. Those are very, very high numbers. And granted, wartime generally unites countries if they if their country is the one being invaded. And so Politically, this may very well be the best thing to happen in Ukraine since the dissolution of the Soviet Union and their independence altogether, because from what I've heard about Ukraine before this invasion, it seems like they they were pretty divided, uh, probably similarly divided as the United States is right now. And I bet if the Chinese invaded the United States today, I imagine the U.S. would suddenly get a lot more united in how they feel about actions of the armed forces, actions of a leader, you know, things like that, because you have to make those split-second decisions, and often humanity will rise to the challenge when challenged. And so, those are just some interesting statistics recently out of 
uh, out of Ukraine. Internationally, today, the United Nations has officially condemned the actions of Russia in the Ukraine. And so what exactly does that mean and how does the United Nations go about that? Well, the United Nations has voted once before on condemning the actions of Russia in the Ukraine. And that's important to note because a few days ago, the United Nations Security Council, which Russia is on, tried to vote to condemn the actions and Russia actually has veto power in that. And so the rest of the nations tried to, the rest of the nations on the Security Council, which is a smaller number than are in the United Nations, and they are kind of like the gatekeepers of the world, um, they tried to vote to condemn the actions of Russia and Ukraine, and Russia vetoed the vote. So the vote couldn't pass. So the vote went to the General Assembly of the United, United Nations, and looks like 141 countries voted in favor of condemning Russian aggression, 35 countries abstained from voting, and five countries voted against the resolution to condemn. And the countries that voted against that are Belarus, North Korea, Eritrea, Russia, and Syria. Belarus and Russia are the most obvious. It's understandable why they would want to, wouldn't want to condemn this. Syria, remember that the Russian regime assisted Syria during their civil war, the current Syrian government. Eritrea and North Korea are both are two of the most authoritarian nations on the planet right now, and their living conditions are abhorrent because of how authoritarian their regimes are. And so that's probably why they agreed with Russia, because they believe in authoritarianism. That just makes sense. A little bit more news in the international sense. Uh, looks like yesterday uh, and the day before, the Ukraine and Georgia both have applied to be part of the European Union. Remember, Ukraine and Georgia are the two countries that Russia has waged war against in the last two decades, and Georgia is now uh, sort of a puppet state against Russia, but it seems like if they want to join the European Union, maybe that's fault faltering a little bit with this invasion. Um, it seems that they are part of the United Nations and they voted against Russian aggression in the Ukraine, and for obvious reasons, Ukraine wants to join the European Union. And a lot of analysts are starting to speculate that Putin was hoping that this invasion would fracture the North Atlantic Treaty Organization and the European Union all over how to handle it, but it seems to have united them more than ever. I'm looking at another poll out of Ukraine, and it seems that 86% of Ukrainians want Ukraine to be part of the European Union. That's a very, very high number, and it's going to be interesting to see if the European Union accepts this this uh, request for an invitation, because if they accept it and Ukraine does be become part of the European Union, it does not mean that Europe will immediately go to war with Russia, but it will allow Ukraine to have much more leeway in terms of trade with the European Union. They'll be able to receive more funding from the European Union, and people from the European Union will be able to travel in and out of Ukraine much more fluidly than they would be able to... Um, when Ukraine is not part of the European Union, because if you're in the European Union, you do not have to have a passport to cross most borders, which means that volunteers from European Union countries will be able to enter into Ukraine much more, in a much more fluid manner than they would than they would uh, in the current situation. Talking about the refugee crisis on the western border of the Ukraine, the latest numbers out of the United Nations are that around 850,000 Ukrainian refugees have crossed the border from Ukraine into the neighboring countries. Um, other estimates range that maybe more than a million Ukrainians have crossed the border into various countries on their western border. And that include Those include Poland, Hungary, Moldova, Romania, and Slovakia. And 
uh, that's a lot of refugees. Unfortunately, because these countries are a little bit more developed and they were prepared for these refugees to show up, we're not seeing so, so much of a refugee crisis in this particular moment, but these are a lot of refugees and, and if supply shortages were to show up, it could turn into a crisis rather quickly. Now, Ukraine and Russia are meeting for their second day of peace talks today. In fact, I think they're meeting right now or they finished maybe an hour ago or so. And again, I don't believe that these peace talks are going to be particularly fruitful considering the tactics that Russia has adopted in their war against Ukraine at this moment, which they are still calling a special operation, but it has turned into a all-out war. And what I'm talking about here is that the Russian military advance stalled for a few days, and it was obvious that Putin has gotten very frustrated with the fact that he was not able to take Kiev in 11 minutes like he was planning to, and Ukrainian estimates are releasing that as many as 7,000 Russian soldiers have been killed on in their advance to Kiev. The, Ru the Russian military released a number that was 498 soldiers have been killed, so I believe that somewhere in between those two numbers is the reality, but if, I mean, if Russia were to actually have lost 3,500 soldiers to this attack. That is a staggering number of soldiers for the first week of fighting. And those are not good odds for uh, living on the front lines of this battle if you're a Russian soldier. And far more have, well, not far more, but more have been captured since then. And again, like I've said in previous episodes, we're seeing lots of videos of Russian soldiers talking about how they really don't know why they're in Ukraine in the first place, and they didn't agree to this fighting. We're also getting some reports that Russians, during the, in this gigantic convoy that's just north of Kiev that I talked about two days ago, uh, there are reports of some Russian soldiers who are puncturing their own gas tanks and letting the gas run dry so that they can't keep driving because they don't want to keep fighting this war. Many, many reports are coming out that Russian morale is extraordinarily low and they do not want to be fighting this war on, on the whole in the Russian military. And so that's creating an interesting dynamic on the front lines as these Russians don't want to be fighting this enemy that they don't believe to be their enemy. This is fully a the will of one or two oligarchic men who want to fight this war the chief among those being putin now the tactics i was talking about is as this huge now we know it's 40 miles long but this 40 mile long convoy is parked just north of kiev uh maybe i think i think i saw the latest statistic was maybe 16 or 17 miles outside the city limits of kiev um these Russian soldiers are waiting, and as they kind of sat there waiting for this battle to so start, this final battle for Kiev, which may be the final battle, but the Ukrainian forces may be able to hold them back. Remember, most people in the city of Kiev, most Ukrainian civilians now are armed with strong rifles, and they'll be able to fight off. Well, they won't be able to fight. I don't know if they'll be able to fight off. I don't want to make that judgment right now, but they now armed have the ability to fight ferociously for every city block as the Russians advance through their capital city. So we'll see how that goes and we'll see if the Russians actually decide to follow through or if maybe these peace talks are actually able to yield some sort of results. But the Russians, like I said, I don't believe they will because the Russians have changed their tactics and the tactics they've now adopted are vicious tactics of just trying to level every civilian area they can get their hands on. Now, we've seen in the last 24 hours that the Russian artillery has started indiscriminately bombarding many population centers in Ukraine. 
In the past 24 hours, the Ukraine has reported that as many as 100 civilians have died just in Kyiv in the last 24 hours of bombardment that the Russians have been uh, that the Russians have been sending their way, and it seems that the Russians were actually able to make their first real headway on the ground in terms of capturing population centers because there was a population center in southeastern Ukraine that has finally been captured by the Russian army, and the Russian flag is now raised over that population center. I don't remember the name at the moment, but what I read about just prior to that was a report from the mayor of that city, and he said that the the bombardment was so intense and so constant that they couldn't even get the wounded to cross a street to a safer location because there were so many bombs falling on the city. And that is a horrible, horrible atrocity committed by the Russian army because these are population centers full of regular people. They are not military centers. And... The last update that I've gotten, this was only maybe a half hour ago, says uh, air, raid silent, air raid sirens have started sounding on all population centers of Kiev, Mykolaiv, Lviv, uh, Zytomir, Ivano-Frankivsk, Cherniv, and the Cherniv Oblast, the Volin Oblast, the Cherkasky Oblast, the Kirovorod Oblast, the Poltava Oblast. These are... Uh, and think of an oblast as a state. And so there are air raid sirens all across the entire country of Ukraine right now. The Russians are just bombarding the entire country. And this is why I believe that Putin is frustrated with his gains on the ground because he is kind of just indiscriminately shelling these cities now with no regard for human life. He just wants to destroy the will of the Ukrainian people so his troops can just march in and they won't try to fight back because they're so afraid of consistently being bombarded. And we will see if his tactic here is going to be successful. I don't believe that it will. I think it will solidify the Ukrainians' hatred for Putin as a, as a leader of the Russian military. And that, that's what I think is going to come of this. I do not think this is going to go as well as Putin is thinking it's going to go. I think we're looking at a desperate man. And his desperation is not just because his military is not doing as well as he hoped they were going to do. It's also because the Russian government is turning against Putin. And the reason I say that is because the mayor of Moscow has publicly come out against Putin and said, we need to stop this war. We've seen several other government officials inside Moscow and other parts of Russia who have come out against Putin and said, this is ridiculous. This is crippling the Russian economy. This is destroying the will of the Russian people. The Russian ruble has crashed 30% in value in the last couple days. And this, this is creating an economic crisis in Russia that will have resounding effects through the next couple years. And so there are, there are government officials. This, these aren't just people. We know that people are protesting and they continue to protest. They are continuing to be arrested. An average of five or six hundred a day being arrested in all of Russia protesting against this war. And the Russian diplomats are starting to say, hey, uh, Putin, maybe this wasn't such a great idea. Maybe we should actually get out of Ukraine right now before our entire country disintegrates. But Putin is standing very strong. Like, we know that he has put his nuclear defense systems on high alert and his nuclear aggression systems on high alert. He's He is saying to the rest of the world, like, okay, fine, if I don't get my way, we will have nuclear war and I'll wipe all of humanity off the earth 
if I don't get my way here. So a lot of people are starting to speculate that maybe Putin's a little bit unhinged in this situation. He's getting older. I think he's 71 right now, maybe a little bit younger, maybe a little bit older, but he's starting to seem a little bit unhinged. He's starting to seem a little bit paranoid. We've seen recently that he is very paranoid about COVID. He is never, ever seen near any human beings. He is always very far away from them. And uh, so maybe he's very paranoid in this situation and he's wanting to show the world that he's still on top. He's the top dog. But as the world is starting to notice, Putin does not seem much like the top dog anymore. He seems like he's backed backed into a corner. He knows that he is and he wants to fight back. And so we, it will be interesting to see how this all shakes out. So, uh, I said a couple days ago that I was going to do a little Q and a, I have received a number of questions from people that I know about, uh, what's going on in Ukraine. So I'm going to answer a number of those right now. So one of the, one of the questions that I got is, well, one of the central questions I got is what do I think the outcome will be? And honestly, I don't know. From the onset, I fully believed that Russia was going to sweep through Ukraine and take it in a number of days, but I'm starting to doubt that. So I think a number of things could happen. One, Russia could buckle under the weight of its own, uh, of this war, because so many sanctions, it's, it's essentially cut off from the rest of the world economically right now. And like I just said, the Russian economy is in dire straits. And so it's very possible that domestically, either Putin will back down and accept that he has completely doomed his own country if he continues this war, which I don't think he will because obviously he's very stubborn, or the Russian Federation could collapse altogether, which would mean civil war inside Russia or a revolution inside Russia where the, where a either government body or the people overthrow Putin and establish a new regime, regime, or the Federation fractures and a number of new countries are created. Um, I don't know if that will happen. I think the the, the Russian nationalism is too high for something like that to actually happen. I don't think there's any huge nationalist movements that are country spanning in Russia at the time, or or, uh, nationalist movements that are separatist movements. I I don't know of any. There might be some, but I don't know of any currently. So, in terms of the war between Ukraine and Russia, if Russia is successful in beating Ukraine in this war, and they're able to capture Kiev, they are able to assassinate maybe some of the government officials in Ukraine, which they have tried to do at this time. They've sent a number of death squads to assassinate uh, Volodymyr Zelensky and a number of other government officials in Ukraine, and none of those squads have been successful as of yet. But if they are successful in overtaking Ukraine, and Ukraine admits defeat, I believe what would happen is that Russia would then see 10 years of guerrilla warfare inside Ukraine and the Russian army would be just devastated by the might of the Russian of the Ukrainian people who would then be disenfranchised with the new uh, pro-Russian government and all Russia has done at this point is create this extreme Ukrainian nationalism inside Ukraine and uh, if they were to establish a government that is very pro-Russian the people would be very interested in overthrowing this government as quickly as possible. So Russia has doomed itself in this attack on Ukraine. And so I believe if Russia were to say, yes, we are now, uh, Ukraine is now under the control of this pro-Russian government, it would be just constant guerrilla warfare, something akin to what we saw in Vietnam in the 70s and what the Soviet Union saw in Afghanistan in the 80s. That's what I believe would happen. 
Another question is, how do I think the U.S. will respond? I think we've seen the extent of what the U.S. will do in terms of its response. We've put uh, President Biden and the Biden administration has put a number of sanctions on Russia. We've sent a number of troops, troops to Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, Poland, Slovakia, Romania, all of those NATO border countries with, uh, with Ukraine. So if Putin gets any funny ideas about expanding further into NATO countries. He admitted in his State of the Union address, yes, last night, that he was going to, that the United States is committed to defending every inch of NATO land. And so I think we've seen the extent of what the U.S. is going to do. We may continue sending um, armaments to the Ukraine. I don't think we're going to send any soldiers into the Ukraine. I, I really don't think that we will. So that's what I think about the U.S.'s response. If Russia takes over Ukraine, what will happen next? Uh, I just said what I believe will happen next. Um, we did hear that Putin said in his address to the nation right before he invaded Ukraine that he wanted to recreate the Russian empire. That was kind of his dream, and that's what he wants his legacy to be. And so if he conquers Ukraine, it's very possible that he would also try to conquer Moldova, which is a small country to the southwest of Ukraine. It's very possible that he would send Russian troops into Moldova because there is some disputed land on the eastern side of Moldova called Transnistria, and that land is disputed between Russia and Moldova, so it's possible that he will send Russian troops into Moldova to try to overtake Moldova and either establish puppet government or annex it into the Russian Federation, depending what he on what he does with Ukraine. In the event of that, on the more international stage, I think we would just see a second Cold War. I think the North Atlantic Treaty Organization would stand up very strongly to Russia and say, if you give us even a hint that you're going to try to attack any of us, we're going to have a really big mess on our hands. That's what I think. Is this a threat to the world as a whole? If you would have asked me a week ago, I would have said no. Asking me today, I'd say there is a 2% chance that the human race will be wiped off the face of the earth because of this conflict. Because if Putin was a completely rational person, he was still threatening nuclear war, I would say no, no. Because nobody would act, nobody in their right mind would actually threaten to wipe he the human race off the map because they weren't getting their way. But Putin is seeming a little bit more like a loose cannon. We don't really know what he's going to do next. And because of that... I think I went from a 0% chance to a 2% chance that there will be global thermonuclear war. So technically, yes, this is a threat to the world as a whole, but in my opinion, we will all be just fine. Would Russia actually start using nukes? I think I just answered that question. Um, I personally don't think that's going to happen, but Putin has proven that he's a little bit unhinged, so I don't know for sure. Is it likely that Russia will invade Poland? Um, no, I don't think so. Because Poland is a part of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, and if Putin were to invade Poland, that would mean global catastrophe, potentially nuclear war. Russia would be absolutely decimated. If, if, if Russia were to even just try to fight the ground war, the fact that Russia's having this much trouble fighting against Ukraine, which is the 88th strongest military on the planet, Russia is the third strongest military on the planet, the, Russia, the fact that Russia's having this much trouble fighting Ukraine, I think Putin is now well aware that he would be decimated. His army would be completely destroyed if he were to try to actually fight a traditional ground war 
well, a conventional ground war against the Western European forces and the forces of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. So no, I don't think that Putin is going to try to invade Poland. Did I know the Ukrainian president voiced Paddington in the Ukrainian version of Paddington? I did not know that. I did know that he was an actor before he was president, and I knew that he was a comedian before he was president. I did not know that he voiced Paddington in the Ukrainian version of the movie Paddington, and that warms my heart. I <laughs> That's interesting information to have. I've got a few more questions here. i got to go to a different app where I got these questions. All right. Is the U.S. planning on getting involved, and will there possibly be a draft? This kind of ties into the question I asked before with what the U.S. response will be. No, I don't think the U.S. is going to put boots on the ground in Ukraine. I don't think there will be a draft for that reason. If we were to go into World War III, there is more potential for there to be a draft, but... If we were to go into World War III, I also don't think that there would be a draft, simply because um, the nationalism of the United States has suddenly had a significant boost because of this war, and if Russia was to directly attack United States citizens or to attack other European nations, we feel more connected to those European nations now, and because of that, I believe that the United States Army would be strong enough on its own, and we would probably have a sudden boost in enlistment in the United States Armed Forces. and because of that, I don't think we would need to be, have a draft, because we would have the man and woman power to fight the war, because most of war is technological right now. We're not really sending waves of soldiers toward an objective anymore. A lot of it is technological, and so no... Uh, not only do I think we wouldn't see a draft in this, in, in if we were to go to war with Russia, I don't know if we will ever see a draft again in the United States. So that's my answer to that question. Now, I did get a lot of responses, but these responses that I just gave pretty much cover all of the questions that I got. So with all that covered, I'm going to call it a night for tonight. Thank you for joining me on Tanner Talks about stuff that happened. I will be back tomorrow with another update. Stay healthy, stay strong. Um and pray for Ukraine. All right, catch y'all later.